0: The Baptist State Convention of North Carolina proudly presents the Revitalize NC podcast. It is our aim to help pastors and leaders renew a passion for the gospel and a vision for the future in order to make disciples who make disciples. I'm Terry Long, church health and revitalization strategist with the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina, and this is the Revitalize NC podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss current issues in church revitalization that many churches and pastors are going through with experts on the topic. So today we have a couple gentlemen with us, and I use that term somewhat loosely, <laughs> Matt Smith, who is the pastor of Lebanon Baptist in Greensboro, North Carolina, and Mark Halleck, who is the lead pastor of Calvary Church in Englewood, Colorado. Gentlemen, say hi to everybody.
1: Hey, everybody. Hey. Great to be here, man. This is awesome. been excited just to, to talk and... Matt's looking great. because <laughs> I'm sitting next to you. It helps. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Man. Oh, this is good. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having us on. This is great. Appreciate what you guys are doing with the state convention, Terry.
0: It's awesome. Good. Appreciate both of you guys. Just, guys, tell us a little bit about yourselves, your family, your hobbies, what you like doing. And then and the process of that, tell us a little bit how you got into this church revitalization thing. Matt, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, so, oh, man, hobbies. Uh, I've got five kids at home, and so a lot of things happening <laughs> around the house. I was talking to Mark some about this the other day or last night, talking a little bit, but uh, into sports, the boys love basketball. We cheer for the Tar Heels, and so uh, it's a good time to be a college basketball fan. And so, you know, we just – a lot of fun around the house with the kids, playing basketball involved and all that. We love that, but uh, that's our thing.
0: Yeah, Matt. I heard that you guys get most of your good players from the University of Oklahoma, is what I heard. So is that is that still true for UNC? Well, we'll see how we do next year without
2: him. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, it was it was uh, uh, manic time, man. Uh, that was he. He was a big help to us this year. I mean,
1: he's the only main. I mean, pretty much everybody else is coming back, right? Yeah.
2: yeah. Everybody's man, back.
1: They're going to be tough. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And I'm speaking this. I'm, I'm saying this as an expert, of course. Colorado, <laughs> you're not going to find college basketball. Any stronger than you will in Colorado.
0: <laughs> well, listen, hey, it's Chauncey Billups, you know, we've got, we've got a listen. history there, you know, but your problem is you left the Big 12, you know, yeah, so once I you left know. the Big yeah. 12. Yeah, so. we've
1: been talking, we, we, Chauncey's the only guy. We, we, we've been preaching Chauncey for 20 years, and uh, we need to see a few more from yeah. Colorado make it, but we'll see.
0: Well, Mark, we'll call you Mr. Big Shot number 2. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, your By family. By the way,
1: <laughs> just random story, I actually played against Chauncey. In high school. Yeah.
0: Okay, no, let's go ahead and dive in there. Tell us yeah. a little bit about the story. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry.
1: This is yeah, a little bit. So this is part of one of my hobbies, basketball. We, Matt and I both love basketball. Now, I grew up in Wyoming, okay? So now you've met someone from Wyoming. There are a few of us. We uh, I don't know if you know anybody else. Yeah, but anyway, and so, yeah, so we would go, we would play team camps down in Colorado. And uh, we played in, I can't remember, I think it was University of Colorado camp. Chauncey was a year older than me and uh, went to George Washington High School. And so these Wyoming Cowboys, we came and we wanted to take them by storm. Let's just say it didn't go the way we planned. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but that was a, a great moment, being able to play against Chauncey. But anyway, that was back in the day. So, yeah, so, man, my, I've been married to my wife, Jenna, for over 20 years. have got a son, Eli, who's in high school. And my daughter, Zoe's a, a, a freshman, actually, at Colorado Christian University. And they're great, man. I love my family. Love living in Colorado. Um, yeah, we've been there since, in Colorado since 99. Um, I've been at the church I'm at now, Calvary, since 2009. And so part of our story was I was a youth pastor for a lot of years. And the Lord just began over time, man, to break my heart for, for struggling churches. And in particular areas where, where uh, there was just a great need. Like in Denver, Denver's a hot spot for church planting, which I praise God for. But as we're planting these churches, there's a lot of dying churches. And so anyway, 2009, uh, my wife and I felt called to go to this little dying church, Calvary in Inglewood, down to about 30 folks, sweet people, love Jesus, but really tired. And uh, we felt like, man, let's go in and love these people and preach the word and try to help these folks live on mission in this community and just see what God does. And so that's where it started. And the Lord began to revitalize this little church. And so that's kind of been the last, since 2009, what we've been about and we love it. And we love now helping other churches experience revitalization too. So,
0: Well, so on that, Mark, tell us a little bit, there's, it's a growing desire that I think the Lord has definitely grown hearts from different pastors and churches to see revitalization happen in their church or in the churches around them. What are some of the biggest obstacles you're seeing some of the roadblocks to these churches revitalizing?
1: Yeah, man, that's a great question. And I think there's <clears throat> there are a lot of things. I mean, I would say there's both external and internal challenges. I mean, internally, as we work with churches and try to assess the readiness of a congregation, we talk about the desperation factor, okay? Every declining church is going to say certain things. Man, we want to reach young families again. We want to see these pews filled up. We want to make an impact. The reality is there are many that say that, but are unwilling perhaps to do what it takes to get there, right? Yeah. Our preferences rule at the end of the day. And so, one of the things we'll be talking about the next few days is who is truly the authority in a church? Is Jesus and the Word the authority, or is someone or something else the authority? And so, when we look at internal challenges, I think a lot of that is congregations that need to be revitalized, but they're holding on to certain things that have become idols. And it may not even be a bad thing, it may be the fact that, man, This congregation is getting older and they're losing everything in their life. They're losing friends. The world does not respect, our culture does not respect the elderly. And so the church is the one thing I can hold on to. That's right. Right. And so I get that. And that's where we need to be loving shepherds to come alongside them. At the same time, this is the Lord's church. And so we've got to help shepherd folks into a bigger vision of saying, look, we love you. But the Lord's called us to something bigger, and that's to take the gospel to this community. So I would say, again, some of the internal challenges are those things of letting go. I think externally, uh, there are a lot of of things. I think, um, you know, obviously COVID, Matt and I were talking about this a little bit. I think COVID for us in the West has been really challenging. in terms of, and part of that is navigating government stuff and uh, masks and all these things. Um, Some of the race issues we're dealing with in the country. I mean, there's a lot of hot, the the political climate. These things have not made it easy on any church, let alone struggling churches. And so learning to navigate with grace and truth some of these challenges has been really hard. And so um, there's not a magic bullet for that. But I think I see those as being some major challenges that that pastors and churches are trying to figure out. How do we reach this culture as Christians in a in a way that's marked by love and truth? Right, truth yeah, and love.
0: Yeah, yeah Matt, jump in there. So you're a pastor right here in in Greensboro. That man talk about just. Uh uh, you know, a southern city, a large southern city that has all those challenges that Mar just talked about. When you guys, as you guys continue to, to look externally and move externally um, and try to reach people in the community, what are some of the challenges y'all are facing?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it was some of the similar challenges. I mean, for, for, for us, and, and this goes back to part of the original question, just kind of how I got into revitalization a little bit was coming here, um, left from being a youth pastor and associate pastor been at a church in Greensboro for about eight and a half years and came over here about five years ago. And this was a church at the time, uh, 108 years old, 107 years old, we're 112 now. And in the previous just year, year and a half, the church had lost five full-time pastoral staff members that had left. And the church had gone through two splits and, uh, you know, it was down to, you know, about, there was about 200 people here. So still a sizable group of people here, but a lot of debt, you know, $1.3 million owed on a, a family life center that we have. And so coming in and just starting over, it was like, this is, this is a work of revitalization. You know, we, we've got some people who are wounded. You know, you had people that were tired. We had people that were wounded, you know, yep. just had yep. trust yep. had been broken they were wounded. They were eager and ready to, you know, let's let's do something. They wanted to do something. They just were hurt, and so coming to into this at that point, I was also working on my D.Min. degree at Dallas uh, Theological Seminary at the time, and working on church health and, and multiplication and revitalization, writing my project on revitalization, and so that's what kind of got me interested in all of this. And and you know, we face those challenges. I mean, you know, Brian Upshaw. Uh, I'll quote him on this a little bit, but he. Uh, kind of at one of the meetings we had, convention meetings we had a, a couple months ago. He was talking about uh, you know where people hang on to you know, and and he said where where there's no vision, you know the people like cherish and they cherish you know the things of the past or the things of their preferences, and and those are challenges. I mean, you know, we have to work through some of that. I feel like I, I hear that kind of thing that the, the challenges, the obstacles to get people to move outside of their preferences and. And, and those are true here, but we have had, I mean, here we've had good, uh, so far we've had good following for that kind of stuff. For, for us, we, we try to do as much as we can, because we have a big footprint. Our campus, we got a big footprint right here, visible area in our part of the town, and so we just try to do as many things as we can to leverage getting people from the community Right, either onto our campus or getting us into their lives, and and if we can just do a lot of that, and we do that through sports ministries and using our facilities for that purpose, but the schools and those are those are difficult. It's a lot of work, and it's messy at times. Yep. Yep. And I was talking to Mark some last night about this. Our upward. Uh, programs, upward basketball, upward soccer, things like this. We're building and expanding on those. But every year, there's there's great stories that come out of that. But there, every year, there's also one or two, you know, challenging stories that comes out of that where it was that was difficult, that was messy. Uh, there was some conflict. Uh, you put competition, kids, yep. you know, sports. <laughs> you, you mix all that together, and, and you get some challenges. And so it does. It creates some challenges. But lovingly, patiently, pointing people outward, pointing people outward. Um, you know, we're trying to do that. Intentionally, we're, we're preaching through the Book of Acts right now uh, on Sunday mornings. That's kind of—and and for the purpose of, like, let's look at the outward focus and the evangelistic mm-hmm. uh, ministry of the early church, and let's use that and, and kind of keep that central. But it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. presents challenges. Yeah. yeah
1: you know, I, in Colorado, it's interesting, you know, just looking contextually at just around the country— you know, one of the things about Colorado is we're not a churched culture. So, you know, being a Christian doesn't do anything for you in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> there are certain places in the country where it's still, it's respectable, you know, to be a Christian. That's not really the case in Colorado. We're not quite where Seattle is in San Francisco, but we're on our way. Yeah. Which means this, attractional ministry isn't as effective in Colorado. Nobody's that impressed with the church, Right. I mean, listen, you could have the coolest band. You're still going to go to Red Rocks if you want good music. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So one of the challenges for us uh, that, that we have to be very intentional about is helping our members become missionaries. Mm. And we talk about that. In fact, membership at our church means you will be sent out and we will, we will publicly pray over you and send you out as a missionary to your neighborhood. So the mind shift has to completely be different. Like this isn't about you bringing them to us. This is about you going to them. And so how do we live as missionaries, you know, realistically? Like, how do we do that? How do you build relationships? How do you have a, a mindset of a missionary mindset? And so for all the churches we've replanted, that's been absolutely critical. Because it's not enough to say, I'm cool with lost people coming to my church. Like, that's huge. That's great. What about pursuing lost people? Yeah, And not just having one gospel conversation but living a life like you would in China or, I mean, honestly, a global missions approached locally, especially if you grew up in the church, you kind of get that like, wow, that's a different mindset. That means like I'm I'm going to put roots down here and and I'm going to really get to know my neighbors. And, and, uh, and so seeing families begin to get that and seeing older people even begin to see that shift who grew up in a time when everybody went to church, which isn't the case anymore in the West, especially, I mean, it's true everywhere. Um, but, how do we mobilize our people to live as missionaries? I, I just think the ch- the future of the Church of North America is very much dependent on that whether you 're a healthy church or a, or a struggling church
0: yeah agreed well and, and I want to ask a follow up question kind of melds um, you know, both of your answers together here As half of our People listening right now are googling Red Rocks in Colorado to find out what that is.
1: Um, <laughs> you want to visit it someday, yeah, trust
0: yeah. me. <laughs> let me let me mail let me mail the question here. So I think a lot of our churches and all of our church leaders are going to deal with a starting point question of okay, I've got this church that's hurting or is tired, mm-hmm. but I also not I've got to get them on mission. So it's kind of that chicken or egg question. Yep. Just hearing from you guys different philosophies here, do you do that simultaneously? Do you deal with the hurt while you're getting people in mission and getting people in mission deals with the hurt or gets re- renewed en- energy? Or do you, would y'all take one or the other first? I think that's a question probably most of our people listening today would, would love to hear your philosophy on.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's both and. It's definitely both and. But I do think this, if you're starting at a church, listen, to the folks aren't healthy, if the folks don't feel nourished, if they're not encouraged, they're never going to get fired up about mission like they're just not. So you can you can preach all day. Man, we got to reach the lost. We got to reach the lost. Listen, if the sheep aren't healthy, they're not going to. Mm. So this is where past strong pastoral care and love with a vision toward mission, mm. not as an end into, into just into itself, but a vision toward mission is so huge. I mean, in our church again, the 30 that were there, man, they were so tired. Mm. And they were discouraged, and they'd been wounded too, not like yours, but I mean, they'd had several pastors come and go, and Mm. that that hurts. It's like, well, why should we trust you, pal, you know? Um, But, and so they needed to be loved. And so the first few years, but at the same time, we can't negate the urgency of, we've got to reach the lost, but how do we do that in a way that still shepherds people toward that end? Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah, yeah. no,
2: I love that. I love the way you frame that, uh, pastoral care with the vision uh, toward mission. Not as an in and a, of yeah. itself, right? Yep. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's true here. I mean, you know, and, and I would say we were like that. I, the first year coming here, uh, my first year, I didn't change anything. Yeah. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. you know, I didn't change any. I didn't change the thermostat. You know? <laughs> I, lo- I love uh, Lloyd the Legalist. Uh, one of his tweets uh, he put out uh, a few years ago said, uh, most young pastors, you know, they get into ministry excited, right, to change, right, excited to, you know, change the world. And they nearly get fired for trying to change the bulletin. <laughs> so for me, yeah, in this true. context, in this context, it was about just what you're talking mm. about. Uh, tactical patience, loving mm-hmm. care, uh, not that would go away, not that would be an end in and of itself either, mm. but lovingly shepherding and caring with the vision toward getting people Amen. on mission. And it was just slow, you know, slowly over time, mm. yeah. uh, building that trust and loving those people and, and shepherding, to- shepherding them toward the end of mission. Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and I think we've seen God do a lot of great things through that. Yeah. But you, you do have to, you got to, uh, I think somebody, you may have talked about this in one of your books. We'll give you an opportunity to plug those just a little bit too today. But uh, you, the, the, uh, you got to love the congregation that you have, not the mm. one that you wish you had. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's right. And you got to start there. That's and right. anybody that comes in already loving what he wishes he had more, yep. I think you're in trouble from the beginning. Absolutely, man.
1: That's yeah. so good.
0: That's good. You can't. You cannot build a culture where you're making people a project to go reach more projects. Uh, yeah, yep. you got, yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. Tell me this, guys. So, just in y'all's years of experience, you're 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 picking up and in, in in trying to move and grow healthy churches. Um, how can healthier churches in in a community? really make a dent in this revitalization thing. What, what are y'all seeing? What are you doing? What are your churches are doing for those? We literally now have in North Carolina, nine out of 10 of our churches are in need of some type of revitalization. So how can, can a church get involved and in, in kind of you know, spearhead or be at the forefront of helping revitalize other churches?
1: Okay, I would say this. It begins with actually wanting to do something. Mm. I mean, and honestly, I think we assume the churches, I mean, I've spoken at things with churches, with large church pastors who haven't really thought deeply about the fact that maybe we should do something. Yeah. We have money, we have people, we have resources. And it, and again, I think it's just a vision that we need to cast in this conversation. As we are going after struggling churches, we need to get the big boys in the game. Yeah. I mean, what an, I mean, yes, planting churches, praise God, but you can also be replanting churches. You can be fostering. I'd love Matt to talk about one uh, fostering they're doing now, but I think it begins with that. Have the conversation. Your people, a lot of your people aren't even aware probably, uh, especially if you're in a healthy church, that there are many struggling churches and those struggling churches are not the enemy. They're our brothers and sisters. That's right. We love them and we need to help them. We need to come alongside them. So I think that's where it begins. But And so now if it's like, man, we're in, well, now we can start talking about strategies. Okay. I'll punt to you and then I'll. I've got a few ideas. Yeah,
2: yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, so fostering is something that is kind of beginning to take a little bit of shape and, you know, just coming alongside of and helping a, a church for a, a defined kind of season, trying to breathe a little bit of life and energy into them, you know, but, but pa- I would say practically pastors in larger or healthier, you know, churches, not every large church is healthy and not, you know, that kind of, not every healthy church is large, But but that do have more resources and opportunities, like build relationships with some of these other pastors. Just friendships. Just start there and get connected with mm-hmm. some of these other pastors, and then through that process of relationship, start to offer ways that you could you could help them. You know, so for example, we there's a church about thirty minutes away from here. Uh, pastor is seven years old. The church is about twenty five to thirty people, um, and they're struggling, you know, and hurting, and uh, need a little help. And so um, Nick Decker and myself, he's our Family Ministries and Outreach pastor. We sat down with this guy that we've known. We have a good relationship with him. We sat down with him back in the fall and said, "Hey, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. You know, there's a school right across the public school, elementary school is right across the street. We're sitting at this guy's office in the church, looking out. Said, we see all the line of cars, you know, waiting to pick up their kids. Said, why don't you reach out to the principal over there, find out if there's any projects at the school that need to be done? All right, we'll send some of our youth and some teams from our church over here to do it through your church. Like it'll be your church doing it, but you can help us and we'll send some over here." find out if there's any families that need a Thanksgiving meal. We'll provide the Thanksgiving meals. We were already doing a bunch for families in our community. We'll do that for you. And he was just, you know, just like like almost in tears, yeah. like, really? Y'all would do that? I said, yeah, we'll, we'll pay for, you know, we'll pay for the mission project, we'll, and we'll come over and get a couple, of, and we'll bring some of the resources, mm. and it'll be something you did. And so one, there was one family that needed a meal, that, that needed food, and so we brought that and everything. He calls me about a week later, says, you know that family we took the food to? They came to our church. Mm-hmm first time we've had a kid in our church under the age of five or, or six, something like that. It was a small kid. First time we had a kid in our church that age in a long time. It's just it wow. super encouraged. And that it. was little effort. You know, that, that was yeah. little effort. There's a lot more that can come from that. We're talking about fostering. How can we come alongside of and help in a fostering kind of relationship with them, just help them get healthier and and stronger and, and bring a little bit of energy to the I table, you know, that,
0: that maybe is missing. Yeah, the culture to culture thing's huge. I mean, just a little bit of energy, having mm-hmm. a little bit of support. That pastor probably felt just the encouragement he's not felt in a long time. So that's great, Matt. What you amen. Doing, Matt? Amen. Yeah.
1: No, I love it. Well, man, I would say this. I mean, it, the most simple thing you can do, and never underestimate this, is the power of mobilizing your people to begin praying for struggling churches. Mm. There's something God does in our hearts when we pray for our brothers and sisters. And so I think that is a step you could take this week is identify churches in your area that you could be praying for very specifically and and specific needs. I think also uh, some of just going off what Matt said, like last week, uh, our church, this is so cool. We were blessed to send six families to go to the struggling church up in North Denver to help them pull off an Easter outreach event, right? We called it the burrito blitz. Don't ask me where we got the name. I don't know what it means. Sounds awesome. But there's burritos, (laughs) and we got some blow-up machines. And you know what, man? That church, they haven't had an outreach event that reached young families like that in years. Wow. And it was a joy. It was a joy for our people to just go and love on them and do it with them, not for them, but with that congregation. And, uh, man, I just got a report that there's families from the nearby apartment buildings that are coming to check it out. And so it's it's pumping life and encouragement into these churches. I think— the next step would be actually sending families to be part of Mm. uh, a a revitalization work or a replanting work. So replanting is a whole, uh, another conversation, but replanting would be where we, uh, a church would come alongside a dying church that knows it's dying, desires to live and is is desirous to basically move forward as a new church, if that makes sense. So, um, typically with, with a new set of bylaws, new leadership, new things. Um, you're not twisting anyone's arm to do this. This is something they desire. They recognize we need a fresh start. And so when we replant a church, we send teams of families to go with those who are there and launch a brand new church in a new area with a fresh vision and outreach. And I'll tell you what, I get your story after story of how amazing it is when God does that. Now, that's a, you know, again, that's a, a bigger project and churches have to be ready for that. But I think replanting is something we need to see more of. But steps toward that would be fostering, sending families to put on outreach events, whatever it is. And again, it's not only a blessing to that church, it's a blessing to your church. It's a blessing to just be doing kingdom work together. Yeah, Yeah.
2: and you you guys have done a few of those uh, from uh, there at Calvary and Englewood. We were talking about that last night. Uh, since two thousand nine, you've done how many plants or replants?
1: Well, since, yeah, this is crazy. It's God's grace. Since two thousand twelve, we've planted or replanted about thirty churches. Yeah. So we've replanted, I think, about fifteen, and we've planted fifteen. So we've done this. You know, it's it starts with one. I mean, we knew that because again, we knew if we could get one, if there was one church that we could do this together, other churches were watching, going, okay, let's see if this really works. That's right. Do these guys just want to take over our building? Do they just want, you know, what do they want? And our heart was, look, this is about the kingdom. It's not about us. We want to see your church thrive again, but it's going to take some trust. And so we replanted our first church uh, five years ago. And by God's grace, that church that had about 14 75-year-olds is now about 80 to 90. There's families and Mm. kiddos that church is now replanting their first church awesome. within five years. And yeah. so that's the bigger vision of, uh, and we'll talk about this, but revitalization is not the end. Multiplication is the end. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we get excited and we should about a church being revitalized. Praise God. That's not the end of the story. we if we're going to push darkness back. We've got to revitalize to the end of multiplication where we are churches, planting churches and, and churches, replanting churches. And that's, we can only do that together, working together.
0: Well, I want you guys to talk about is a lot of kingdom work and kingdom mindset, and maybe Mark, you can hit on this, um, just in your experience. There's probably a pastor or two um, listening right now. They're saying, man, this all sounds great, or a congregation, this sounds great, but man, I can't send 15 or 20 people over to that church to foster to replant it. I mean, we losing a chunk of people like that would be would be just detrimental to where we're going as a church, or... As Sam Rayner says, you know, we, we've talked in our fostering stuff before, man, you don't send your B or your C team over, right, you know, right, you send, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody can send that guy that yeah. probably shouldn't be on stage anyway, right, yep, you yep, know, over. Got a, I've got a few yeah. families I'd like to send yeah. right yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Matt's actually, Matt's actually got a list. So if you're listening today, he's got a list of I've people got a to vision send out that yeah, you he family. would really like to send, yeah. you know, he'd like to <laughs> intentionally swap some fish. Yeah. Um, no, but just having that, having that kingdom mindset where yeah. literally we're saying, hey, I mean, this is really about the Lord and his kingdom. Because we're asking it from the church that's struggling.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right.
0: But how about the church that that's healthy, having mm-hmm. that kingdom mindset? Will you just hit on that just for a few minutes? And yeah. Then, and then tell us how that's changed. You know, because you think you're losing, yep. but how it's changed the culture of your church no, to that's the positive.
1: Right. That's right. No, that's so good, man. I Here's the bottom line. If we're going to do this, we've got to have faith. And this is where we put our faith to the test. Do you really trust in the sovereignty of the Lord? Do you really trust that God... Uh, is, is, uh, is trustworthy (laughs) that he cares about your church more than you do. That, um, that he, that he blesses faith and faithfulness. If we don't, then we let's go do something else with our lives. That's right. We're called to take risks. I believe for the sake of the gospel. And I know that's scary, but that's the life of faith, man. We got to get out of the boat. And it's also the most exciting thing in the world that the God of the universe calls us to trust him and walk with him. And so what I would say is this, you're never going to get in the game of revitalization, replanning if you don't take some risks. I mean. and that's the bottom line yep. and there's no way to sugarcoat it. Um, what I would say is if, if, you, if that scares you, ask the Lord to change your heart, say, Lord, instead of looking at this as, as a loss or a fearful thing, God, help me to see this as a gain for the kingdom and something exciting. I think a lot of us, man, we're bored. We follow Jesus, we say we follow Jesus, we go to church. We haven't had to trust Jesus for anything in a long, long time. And I know that's my biggest fear, is that I would talk about faith and never actually have to walk by faith. And I think we have to lead our churches to actually walk by faith. And so yeah, the bottom line is, if we're gonna be ascending church culture, we have to send, and we've gotta send our best. We have to send our best. So I was telling Matt, our first church that we planted, we were, I think we were about 230 and we sent 70 out. Okay, you wow. can do the math. And they weren't, they were our best deacons. They were our best. Now we felt that big time, but you know where it drove us is back on our knees. Mm-hmm. And what I always say to this, and I would say to this pastor, listen, there's no other place you want to be than on your knees before the throne. That's it. And and how can we live our lives in such a sacrificial way that we stay there? Because man, I get scared about getting up and I don't have to depend on the Lord anymore. This will fuel your faith, your trust in the Lord, and it'll fuel your people's faith. Don't let your people get comfortable, man. You've got to make them be uncomfortable. as And you do it with an arm around them. That's right. <laughs> We're in this together.
0: Yeah. Matt, hit on the other side of things. Jump in. The pastor or the leader that's struggling right now, you know, you're not too far removed. You know, things are things are really moving up the life cycle here we're seeing God do some amazing things at Lebanon but you you know what it's like and still know what it's like just the struggle and the grind and, and all those things so the pastor or the layperson that has a heart for revitalization but is just feeling that grind right now they're feeling covid and what's 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 some words of encouragement you'd say to them
2: well i'd say reach out like reach out and get some help you know reach out to uh, the local association leader, reach out to other pastors in the area, reach out to some state convention leaders like yourself. I mean, when I came uh, here, this church was um, not a part of uh, partnering with the local association or the state convention or the Southern Baptist or anything like that. It was you know independent uh, and in the first in about the first year and a half two years, you know we said hey let's let's start working together with other churches and you know getting b- the benefit of working together and the support and helping and giving. And so I would say reach out and get help. I mean, s- some, some guys may be out there and they're, they're apart. They give financially. Their church gives financially to the Southern Baptist or uh, to the State Convention or something, but they're, they're not actually like benefiting themselves by reaching out and talking with these other pastors and gathering together and getting that help and support. So I would say do that. We can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, we cannot do this alone. Right. And, and if we try to do it alone, we're going to struggle. Um, And so I would say, like, get other pastors to come and help and and talk and share, and and you'll get that help and camaraderie from them. And and there are resources uh, available and and other pastors that can be a help if you just reach out. But you you can't just stay in your own, by yourself, alone. you got to get some help. And I would
1: say this. Don't be discouraged. Here's what we know. Not everybody will get in the game. Not every church is going to get in the game. And that's okay. There are those who will. Mm. And so... Go after those who are excited, (laughs) partner with those pastors who care, start small. That's what we always say, man, start with one or two. If there's a few guys, a few past few churches, you watch what the spirit can do with just a handful of faithful pastors and churches, you know? So don't be too discouraged in those churches that, man, they won't call me back. They don't, I don't think they would care. Listen, there are those who do care deeply, Mm. find them and, and, and link arms with them and watch what the Lord does.
0: Awesome. Mark, final thoughts. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, tell us to close, final thoughts, something that uh, maybe God's sparking on your heart right now to to speak an encouragement to listeners. Um, In the process of that, also tell us a little bit about um, your ministry, some different resources. If they've heard some things today they want to know more about, just some of your books, some of the things that they can learn more. But just some final thoughts for us as well as just a little bit about some of your ministry things.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, man, I would just, I want to encourage listeners and pastors in a couple ways. One God, this is God's deal. God is on the move. God is about his glory. He's invited us to be part of it. And so this should be a joy, not a burden. And so I think we need to remember that there's so much grace in this. There's no experts in this. I'm not an expert in this. Matt's not an expert. There's no experts. We are just, we're beggars, man, who follow a great God who is an expert in all things. And so I just want to encourage you to say, man, if you feel discouraged and you, you know, you've read the books and it doesn't seem to be working and whatever, listen, this is a marathon, not a sprint. It's about long haul faithfulness. It's about the glory of God. And, um, and I want to say to you faithful pastors, you're doing great. <laughs> you are loved at the end of the day, this is the Lord's deal and and you are called to be faithful at the end of the day. And that's it. But uh, I do believe that the spirit's moving and he's working. And so we need each other. We need to move in those ways. There's a few different uh, resources I think I would point to, to help encourage leaders in these, in these ways. Um, basically I'm trying to think what would be the most helpful. So I, the last several years I wrote kind of a trilogy of books that are actually coming out in one big volume this summer called leading church revitalization. It'll be like a textbook on leading church revitalization. But, uh, the books, the three that I've released, one is called, uh, the posture of a godly leader. And, and that's the book I want to put in anyone's hand who's starting off at a church. What are the postures of, of love and humility? How you start matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of guys don't start very well. Mm. And so this book is to help you. You're going into a new church. How do I win the hearts of people through love and truth and grace and let the word lead? So that's I think that's helpful. Another book um, that I think is really key in this conversation is called The Priorities of a Shepherd Pastor. Uh, one of the things we'll be talking about in this conference is um, developing a strategic shepherding plan. So a lot of pastors uh, are going to say, man, we need to care for our people. Well, we need to love our people. Well, and I would say, yes, but how are you doing that? How are you doing that very strategically so that the front door of your church is really big and the back door is really small. And I would say, especially if you're a smaller church, um, an older congregation, Your the biggest weapon in your belt is, is stinking shepherding care, loving people. Sometimes big churches struggle with that. How are we developing a strategy so that people get stuck in our church and, and really feel cared for and loved. And I'm telling you with all of our churches, that's been the key piece. So that book is going to help you develop that. And then the other, the book that just came out a few months ago is, is basically on perseverance. It's the perseverance of a faithful minister. Ministry is really hard and we need to be honest about that. We also need to know there's hope. There's hope in the gospel. Um, There are many godly pastors who have walked these roads before us. How can we learn from those um, so that we don't feel alone? So those would be just a few resources that I think hopefully will just be helpful in some way. Um, The other one I would say is the replanting a conversation, um, wrote a book a few years ago. It's, it, it's, it makes a good doorstop, if nothing else <laughs> called replant roadmap. And it's basically a step-by-step guide to help a church replant another church. That's good. Um, so real practical. So hopefully maybe those are resources again, that can be, be of benefit on some level. Yeah,
2: I, I would, I would vouch for those. I mean, I, I've got, uh, probably the, the posture, uh, book, the first one you mentioned there, I got about two thirds of that one underlined. It's great. You know, just for those, uh, postures, heart attitudes, mind, just the mindset that you need uh, to be a loving pastor and and, and to mm. start well. I really think that's a helpful, very helpful book. And Praise so I God. would I would absolutely recommend those. I mean, you, you got to look at. There's got to be there are moments where um, and you got to have thick skin, and yep. then there's moments yep. where you got to have a tender heart.
1: Yeah, Amen. Well and, said. And you
2: got to have both, and and learning those kinds of things. So oftentimes, you don't you don't get that in seminary, right. believe it or yep. not. You know, and <laughs> that's so right. like. Th- these would be greatly beneficial if somebody picked those up. I'll just plug that for them as well.
0: Praise God. Praise That's great. Yeah, being a Rhino with tender hearts probably a, a different <laughs> work yeah. of God and a yeah. growing a leader for sure. Well, Matt, give us a final thought um, in the process. You've done a, a great job. Your church of leading out in. Um, Churches celebrating, partnering, and, and revitalizing other churches in their area. You guys are a normative-sized church that's doing it and doing it well. Tell us—you've um, got the Revitalize conference here in the area in Greensboro. Tell us how, uh, for churches in the years to come, if they want to participate in that annual conference, tell us how to get they can get linked to more information on that conference, and, and give us a final thought.
2: Yeah, so uh, this is something we did last year, and this is our second one this year. Uh, but you can go to revitalizechurch.org. Uh, our plans are every year in the spring to offer this conference because we want to get uh, pastors and and lay leaders uh, deacons or elders, whatever the uh, the context may be, but we want to get them together, hearing from guys like Mark, seeing some of this, hearing this kind of vision, learning it, getting them together. I mean, I could give you a dozen great stories just in our area that came out of the conference last year, where guys came to this. It kind of opened up a new way of thinking for them, and, and things are happening. There's a replant that is launching in just a couple weeks here in our city that sort of started. The conversation for that began last year at this conference. So revitalizechurch.org, um, we'll be doing this, Lord willing, you know, every year, and so um, that—that's our goal and vision. We want to use that as an opportunity to help get these pastors together. I, you know, for us, I—I I would just say, as a pastor, you know, just keep keep going, uh, just stay faithful, like Mark said, you know, keep going, um, and and don't 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 be guilty of overestimating what you can do in the short term and underestimating the, what you can do well in the long term. Yep. I mean, it, you, I'm a very future oriented. I, I was telling you this earlier. I'm very future focused. I'm I'm constantly a little frustrated and more so more frustrated about where we're not yet. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, just just stop from time to time. If you're like that, if you're a pastor and listening, stop from time to time and just look back at the growth that has happened and let that be encouraging to you. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. God is working, and it's not us. It's not mm-hmm. God is the one doing it. You know, I love. I just preached uh, Acts 14, the end of the first missionary journey. You know, where Paul and mm-hmm. Barnabas get back and and at the very end of Acts 14 they say you know god did these things mm. god he's the one that opened the door to the you know to the gentiles and it's about what god did i mean they <laughs> you know look at what they went through but it, they were it, they realized it wasn't about them it was about god and so he is working you just let's just pray like god use us as mm. vessels and instruments and and i pray constantly don't like just please don't let me mess it up yeah. they don't let me wreck it you keep working and and use me and and that's, that's what I would say. Just continue to be faithful and open to God working and using you. And check out our conference. It's a great time to be encouraged.
0: Awesome. Well, Matt, Mark, what, a, what an awesome time today. It's, it's been good to get, to get together, be together, have this conversation. And thank you guys for being here. Thank you all for participating. Thank you. Yeah. It's great. Thank you guys for listening today. Those that, are, that chimed in to the podcast, thank you all. We hope that this is helpful for you. And uh, we will see you here next time on the Revitalize NC podcast. The Reimagine NC website is full of tools, tips, and resources for church leaders to think about new ways of approaching ministry. All you have to do is visit reimaginenc.org today to access content related to every area of ministry you're looking for. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your partnership in the gospel through your generous support of the cooperative program. For more resources and information, visit our website at RevitalizeNC.org.